Welcome to Trip Talk. I'm Jennifer Napier Pierce with the Salt Lake Tribune. Creating public public conversations about important issues is a core part of what we do as journalists and one of the tools we have is providing online comment boards. These forums allow people to vent, to argue, to contribute to a holistic public conversation. But many consider comment boards the wild west of free speech where there's no accountability for what's expressed. And today on Trip Talk, we're talking about the virtues and the vices of online comment boards and if and how newspapers could elevate the public conversation on those boards. Joining us on the Google Hangout today is Tim Fitzpatrick. He's deputy editor of the Salt Lake Tribune and he recently created an online survey uh, to uh, discuss the online comment boards here at the Salt Lake Tribune. He joins us in the newsroom. Tim, great to have you. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Also with us, Amy Lewis. She's a web moderator, the front lines of the Trib online comment boards. And part of her job is to determine what comments are worth keeping and what's offensive. And Amy is also here in the newsroom. Amy, hi. Hello. And Marie Shanahan. She's an associate professor of journalism at the University of Connecticut, whose research includes online ethics and interactivity and the First Amendment. And she's joining us from her office at UConn in Story, Connecticut. And Marie, great to have you as well. Thank you for having me. And you can join our conversation today. Do you read or contribute to the Tribune's online comment boards? Do you find comments enhance the news stories that we report, or do they create an avenue for abuse? And we'd love to hear your thoughts on the topic. You can send them to the hashtag TribTalk on Twitter and Google+. You can also put them in the comment section, of course, of our, uh, our story here at sltrib.com, or you can text us your comments to this number, 801-609-8059, 801-609-8059. Amy, I, I want to start with you. Um, just as the Salt Lake Tribune has guidelines for letters to the editor and for stories that we publish, the online comments do have some structure. And it's your job to, to decide what comments get booted from the trib and what can stay. Uh, what's the criteria that you use? Describe your job a little bit. Okay, the basic rules are uh, to keep the comments relevant. They have to be relevant to the article that they're commenting on. They also should remain civil. They need to be polite to one another. This is the hardest one for everyone to follow. <laughs> this is the one that, that, gets, that gets people in trouble the most. They also have to keep it clean. We don't allow any swearing. We don't allow things to get crude. And people need to tell the truth. They can't lie on the boards, of course. And and trolling, of course, is not allowed. So those are those are the basic rules. And what percentage would you say of the comments that are posted at sltrib.com, which ones are sort of weeded out? It's it, usually um, thousands of comments are posted to the Tribune daily, about 5,000, I would say. And a couple hundred probably get deleted every day. And they're usually because they contain, they contain personal insults. That's the biggest reason that people get deleted. The next one would be relevancy. And, and, uh, and then I would say trolling comments after that. So, Okay, so yeah. but just a fraction of the comments that are submitted are actually sort of weeded out. Yeah. Um, uh, Tim, as a bit of background, can you explain how the Tribune came up with this online comment policy and, and how it's developed over the years? We use what's called uh, persistent identity. Um, and what that is is essentially that it allows anonymity. People can come in with uh, and make up a name, a pseudonym, uh, but we make them stick with it. 
and uh, and essentially what that does is that it allows uh, the community to watch itself. Uh, there are uh, a couple hundred at least uh, pretty dedicated commenters who do uh, a lot of the policing of the site, if you will. Uh, we we uh, we track people. We track them by email. We track the IP address. We have ways basically to determine if somebody is going back in and signing up under a new name, uh, and we don't let them do that, or, or we also don't let them have multiple names. Uh, it's it's imperfect. It isn't. Uh, in fact, everything having to do with comments is imperfect, frankly. But uh, it's uh, uh, it has allowed the establishment of a community. What it doesn't do, we don't pre-screen, and so what it what you do, inevitably you will get things that are inappropriate, and then of course you're dealing with the various levels of sensitivity. Some people are really very used to the rough and tumble. Other people uh, just wouldn't be caught dead even anywhere around it. Hmm. So uh, that's in that way, comics are an acquired taste, I guess. Professor Shanahan, maybe you can put this in the in the big picture for us. What is the national context? Obviously, the Salt Lake Tribune is not the only online publisher that is is always thinking about this issue. And I, I have no prior knowledge. I don't know that the, the Tribune is changing its policy in any way, shape, or form. But because of uh, Tim's online survey, I thought it was an interesting topic to, to, to think about. Um, and Professor, you've, you've done a lot of research in this area. Yes, yeah, so comments really have been around on newspaper websites since, since basically the web, you know, the news went online. And we, we sort of inherited what other people were doing using message boards, using AOL way back in the day, um, you know, and we wanted to include that dialogue and be able to um, invite our audiences to, you know, talk back to us. But at the same time, the, the, the way that the law was set up is that there's something called the Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act, which basically treats online conversations. If, you, if you're hosting a website and there's a third party that posts on your website, you are not responsible, legally responsible, for those comments. Whereas if it was broadcast or obviously if you print it in your newspaper, you are liable for those comments. So a lot of news sites sort of left it kind of open because the web is very... Uh, 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 resistant to censorship, um, and it's sort of it was sort of established as a free for all, really at the beginning. So newspapers sort of inherited that, and then sort of had second thoughts, like, wait a second, this isn't the way that we used to do stuff when we ran letters to the editor. Um, obviously, if you're a broadcast outlet, you are liable for stuff that that gets put on your air. So having it as open as it has been has caused a problem for a lot of news organizations, and it's. I always think of it like it's a constant headache. When I spent uh, many years as an online editor at the Hartford Current uh, here in Connecticut, um, we had very open um, message boards that were very, uh, you could use multiple pseudonyms, you could go in over and over again. So it's, Tim, it's good to hear that you guys do have restrictions on that and you keep track so people aren't, you know, sock puppets talking to themselves. Um, but it's an ongoing problem, and no one has really quite figured it out. A lot of people have turned now to social media to force people to log in, say, like using Facebook, because people tend to use more real names if they're on Facebook. Um, and then some news organizations have decided that it's just too much trouble, and they've shut it off. Popular Science last year um, caused a stir when, in September, they said, we're shutting down the comments. We don't want them on our site anymore. They're not mm. useful. Uh, but why is it a headache? Uh, what's wrong? If, if there is no legal basis for restriction, 
why are we all uptight about what uh, appears on our set? Well, I think part of it is that if the discussion that's going on below the story, or even nowadays, you can have there's comments that are annotated within the story. Some news sites have that. Is that if it's if it starts to undermine the journalism that's being presented, you know, the sort of the hard work of the journalist. If it if it's off topic, if two people start arguing with each other about something that has nothing to do with the with the story, then it basically takes away from the people's understanding of the news product. They suddenly get distracted by this new thing that's there, and they may it may affect the news organization's reputation. It may affect um, you know people's basic understanding of the story. And you know, obviously, as as journalists, we want people to you know be able to absorb this information so they can make good decisions about their lives. Whereas, you know, we're interested in their opinions. I mean, the best places to have comments are on those stories where people can offer new perspectives, where they can ask questions that the reporter didn't think to ask, um, maybe offer new information that may lend itself to another story. That's the ideal, but that doesn't always happen because if there's not a good structure, you know, people will break the rules. You know, I have a 12-year-old. That's what she does. Mm. <laughs> Tim, uh, you conducted this survey, as I alluded to last week. What was the thought process in your mind? Why did you want to know what people are thinking about the comment boards? The uh, the intent really. Uh, I did this because I'm in uh, a marketing research class. I'm actually like the world's oldest student, but that's a side <laughs> issue. Um, the uh, uh, but where I was headed basically is the impact on the brand. Uh, it, this really doesn't, the, the traffic is not a big money maker. It's not really about finances. Um, and uh, as Marie alluded, it's not really about legality. There is, uh, there can be an issue sometimes with regard to libel, but really it's more about uh, having a, uh, a place where people want to go and, and, and what it takes to do that. It turns out that you can't, as she says, you can't just make it a wild west. Uh, the reality, the other reality, and Amy alluded to this, is that we get about 4,000 comments a day. If we were to try to pre-screen, that would go right down. Um, there, uh, the New York Times is an interesting example. What they have done, uh, they pre-screen everything. They they don't allow comments on everything. They try to do essentially what you're talking about in terms of getting uh, only certain uh, topics that are frankly worthy of discussion, at least in their, their minds. Um, they also employ like 14 people to do nothing but go through comments, and that's really not practical for us. Um, but at the same time, so it's, it's trying to find that balance. I don't see a situation where we would give up on it like popular science is. Uh, I also don't see a situation where if you look at Gawker, they're sort of the other end. They're turning their whole site over to the commenters. Um, my guess is, is we, you know, we'll be somewhere in between there, but it's about brand, really. Basically, it's about what you want. Uh, and and in Utah, the Tribune is uh, maybe a little bit more of the Wild West, if you will. We are the people. We are the independent voice. We are the unfiltered voice more. Uh, so that's why we try to preserve that. Hmm. Uh, we're speaking with Salt Lake Tribune Deputy Editor Tim Fitzpatrick, also with us Tribune Web Moderator Amy Lewis, and uh, Assistant Journal Associate Journalism Professor Marie Shanahan from the University of Connecticut. We're talking about online comment boards here at the Salt Lake Tribune. If they accomplish their mission as a free speech zone or 
if they're easily hijacked by mudslingers. And we invite you to join our conversation, as many of you are. Um, you can send your thoughts to the hashtag TribTalk on Twitter and Google+. You can put them in the comments section, of course, at sltrib.com. Or you can text us at this number, 801-609-8059. Uh, I do want to get to a lot of the comments that are coming in. Um, this is from Delta35. Rarely, if ever, do I find the comments on the Trib site to be enlightening. It seems like a lot of people hang out there just to poke fun at whatever they don't like and aren't interested in a genuine discussion. I get more out of discussing the stories on the Trib with the people in my office. Sorry, the anonymous nature of online discussions where you don't know anyone just lends itself to negativity and mudslinging. Um, I, I guess I, I'm curious about this anonymity question and maybe uh, Tim and Amy you can uh, talk a little bit more about the pseudonyms that we use here at sltrib.com and why not have names, real people's names attached like we do to the letters to the editor. Uh, I'll jump in. Uh, basically uh, a couple of different issues. One is is that uh, the uh, uh, there is a good segment of our commenting audience that uh, uh, appreciates the uh, the pseudonym. Uh, they tell us they wouldn't be able to comment. Their employer wouldn't like it. Their relatives wouldn't like it. Their bishop wouldn't like it. I mean, there's a variety of reasons that uh, uh, they they prefer it that way. Um, the other thing is is that. Having real names, well, a couple issues with real names. One, of course, is just the technical uh, ability to verify real names. Uh, again, 4,000 comments a day. Uh, I don't know exactly how we go about checking it. You can turn it over to Facebook, which is fairly reliable, but then you lose control of Facebook. You can't necessarily ban commenters. You, I mean, it gets, there's a lot of people at Facebook who will say some fa fairly disgusting things with their real names. So it doesn't necessarily solve the problem either. So, mm -hmm. and so. I think there's another problem with it. It's harassment. People, I mean, and there's a problem now, even with the anonymous comments, people are being harassed and people trying to find out who they are in real life so they can harass them in real life. So I think if they had one less step to go through with that, it would be even worse and we'd lose even more commenters. Hmm. Marie, do you, do you find that um, the, the organizations that have turned to Facebook or some other m moderation um, that requires actual names, I mean, it, has that been a successful experiment? Well, a lot of the news organizations that have switched to, you know, social media authentication, they call it, um, they saw a big drop in the number of comments that are submitted because obviously some people either just don't want to use that social media platform um, and some people really just don't want their real names out there. But a what, what I hear, and for example, ESPN was one organization that switched to Facebook commenting over the summer. Even though they had a big drop in the number of comments, they felt that the comments were more civil and more on topic. Um, because they were attached to people's real names. The Huffington Post recently did the same thing where they added um, social media authentication and really want to do away with an online, an online so. Hmm. Um, here's another comment from Grizzled Pete. I, I like the comment section because it serves a vital service to those who don't normally get their voices heard in this state where one party rules and that party is seemingly ruled by one group. It gives everyone a chance to be heard to have a voice. Although it's obvious that a few people have voices guiding their voice. Uh, so in closing, if you alter the comment section, I will stop taking the trip from my neighbor's driveway. Um, okay, a couple things there. Um, one is um, giving voice to the voiceless, and that's one of our ethical duties uh, as journalists. Um, do you feel like uh, this has, uh, we live in a place that has 
um, very strong opinions coming from the LDS Church, from the non-Mormon group. Do you feel like the Tribune needs to be there um, as unmoderated as possible to give voice to minority opinions? Tim Fitzpatrick? I think we need to be there. I'm not sure I buy as unmoderated as possible. I think the reality is, is we probably want as moderated as possible. Uh, then you get into a discussion of what's practical. It's a, it's a matter of resources. It's a matter of real-time technology. It's a matter of, uh, you know, what is it? But I, uh, I, I do believe that a, a monitored conversation, uh, it's like the whole thing of trying to get reporters to participate. Absolutely. Anytime you get reporters weighing in on that comment stream, it cleans up the comment stream. Now, that said, our reporters are extremely busy. How much time are they supposed to invest in, in hanging out with this crowd? You know, to some extent, the ones who are willing to do it, they do get a, a bonus from that. But uh, they could also be sucked in all day and never get anything done. And that we can't have that either. Hmm. To Grizzly Pete's second point about stealing the newspaper from his neighbor's driveway, I'm assuming that's because he doesn't subscribe. And there have been newspapers around the country that say the comment boards are for those who pay for the product. Um, Marie, has that been a successful model to, to sort of follow? Well, obviously, that's one model that it's a, it's a choice for the news organization if they want to follow that model. Obviously, there's not going to be as many comments if it's not open to the general public. and you know, will some people end up subscribing the paper to the paper because they see themselves reflected in the comments? Maybe, or maybe not. Um, but that is an option for a lot of news organizations, again, to sort of control the crowd. Let's get to a few more comments. Um, Old Walton writes, I've learned many things by those who have posted on these boards. At times, I've had to stand taller, and I've learned to sidestep those that play games. Thumbs up to the many posters who have shared. Um, FYM116, as far as the comment section goes, I'm mostly here for the entertainment. I do appreciate the level of freedom of speech that the trip provides more so than the other sanitized local news outlets. Um, Enjoy the madness. Uh, please answer this question. What is driving the trip to consider taking the comment boards away? Is it money for moderating? Uh, and to reiterate, I don't know of any change in the Tribune policy. We're talking about this because it's an ongoing discussion that many online publishers are sort of reevaluating as we go along. So I don't know of any policy change. And Tim, can you confirm that? <laughs> yeah, I, again, I, I, I got to confess, basically, you can blame my homework. Uh, that probably <laughs> started this whole thing. Uh, but really, you know, honestly, we I, over the years, and I've been involved with this, we've had comments for, what, maybe about six or eight years. Uh, I think there have been three different times when I've gone out and polled. Um, and it tends to re return uh, a, a result that is in favor uh, uh, and then of course you have to wonder about the selection I mean you know people who participate in the poll generally tend to be more uh, interested in preserving comments so it's hard to uh, say that it is a completely random situation so you have to analyze the data that way but it is true that uh, it is absolutely evolving and Maria said as much that th this basically I don't think anybody has settled into a successful formula it's frankly it's like the news business online in general if any of us really had a successful formula we'd all be rushing towards it mm. so the fact that everybody's trying different things that's that's I think where we are mm -hmm. 
Um, a couple more comments. Uh, Johnny Utah, more often than not, the Trib comment boards have become a place for re political, religious mudslinging without repercussions. Uh, Amy, are there repercussions? If you get uh, a comment that's been flagged, um, are you banished for a time, or is it comment by comment? Uh, can you talk a little bit more about that process? Well, we try to notice, uh, with especially with our longtime commenters, if they if there's a trend in the type of comments that they're posting. If they are inappropriate, a lot. If they won't clean up their act, because we do try to contact them privately when we can to say this has been inappropriate. You're going to have to stop this. And a lot of times their reaction is to agree, and a lot of times their reaction is they won't. So. Um, we do we do ban people who who won't follow the rules consistently. Um, a lot of times, comments are never flagged. So there's comments that are inappropriate that are left on the site that we never see because we're not reading through 4,000 comments a day. So if they're not flagged, we don't know that there's a problem. So we we we're kind of a broken record when we keep telling people to flag the comments that are inappropriate because that's the only way that we're going to see them. The only assured way that we're going to see them. Hmm. Uh, and Marie, is that a, a system that you've seen in other uh, online publishers where the, the comments are assessed um, not by reading through 4,000 comments a day, but by the ones that um, raise a red flag? That's right. I mean, a lot of news sites do depend on their community to sort of self-police. So if those comments aren't flagged, then moderators like Amy aren't going to be, you know, aren't going to be aware of them. And then, you know, what can happen is if people are finding those comments, it sort of is this thing that's generating negativity sort of constantly on your website. Um, there was an article that I wrote recently about how talk radio, when you have a commenter on the, like a caller on the air, if they say something, you know, totally outlandish, you know, inappropriate, the host of the radio talk show can deal with that comment immediately. Online, it's different. A lot of stuff can linger and sort of fester for a long time, which then can, you know, lead to, you know, bad feelings among people. Um, and again, hurt the reputation of the news organization. But it's hard because we are sort of dependent upon the community to, you know, we want them to, if, it, if they want to participate, then we want them really to participate. Now, I'm, I'm also curious, and I don't know if Amy or Tim can answer this question about, do you have any idea how many people actually comment on your site or how many are sort of repeat commenters, sort of chronic, um, as opposed to sort of a larger audience. There's this theory out there that the rule of participation online goes by 90, 9, and then 1. 90% of the people don't participate. They just lurk and just read. 9% will participate once in a while if they really get fired up about something, if they feel you know really uh, passionate about something. And then the 1% just to keep coming back. They're the ones who are there all the time. And mm -hmm. I'm curious if, it's, if it sort of has worked out that way on, uh, on your website. Tim? Short answer is yes. <laughs> uh, I would say that the 1% might be a little bit bigger, but it's probably not 2%. Uh, but yeah, we get about, uh, uh, well, now let me, let me see. Now, what's the 9% again? Those are people that, you know, they will comment occasionally when they, you know, when they yeah. feel strongly about something. Yeah, that's, that's, that's probably about right. Out of those 4,000 com 4, comments we'll have in a day, uh, I think there's a core group of maybe about 200 who are generating more than half of the comments, and maybe that group is as large as 500. Amy, you probably may have a better idea of that. But uh, day in and day out, I think there's a group of maybe three to 500 who are doing more than half the commenting. Those are the ones, and in, in the poll I did, 
there, it was about 8% of respondents said they, they comment multiple times a day. And so, uh, and, and I will say that by and large, that is a good community. I mean, it is, it is a group of people who are not, I mean, they, there, are there trolls among them? Yeah. And, and again, a lot of the fun for them is this sport, if you will. It isn't always just about trying to lift the debate. It's more like trying to be entertained. Mm. And, uh, and that's not such a bad thing. Uh, it, it can't come as pe at people's expense is all. Uh, Amy, anything to add to that? No, I, I think that sounds about right. I think that those, those numbers seem to add up. We have the, the core group of about 300 that, that comment regularly and then the, the random people who will jump in when there's something that they care about. Um, let's get a few more. It looks like um, Mad Conmen. The, the Trib comment boards have shown me the true nature of a lot of people that wouldn't be so bold to express their opinions otherwise. Before I started reading these comments, I had no idea there were so many nutcases out there. It's been both informative and amusement, amusing. And I've also learned a lot of good information from posters who are more informed and knowledgeable than I am. Uh, this comment from UT Cyclist, Tribune comment boards are horrible. There is nothing constructive about them. Every time I post a different, i.e. moderately conservative post, I get flamed. It's purely hostile and anti-Mormon. Um, CP Smurf writes, online is the only place where people of varying opinions can actually have a discussion since they won't come to my bar and I won't go to their church. Um, Marie Shanahan, I'm curious about uh, the lessons learned from your, your talk radio experience. The research that you did in talk radio, those are very moderated and it really does depend on the host. Obviously we don't have a host for every story that's posted on our website, but can online publishers take something from talk radio uh, to sort of uh, guide them through the rules that they're establishing for their online discussions? Well, I think the main lesson that I sort of learned from talking to all these people that were experts in talk radio, of which I am not, was really that they think about people's comments as content and that if it doesn't enhance the content of the, of the news site, so if it doesn't enhance the work that the reporter has done, um, that the photographer has done, that the videographer has done, then why should it be included at the bottom of the story or in any part of the story? And that we should be more selective about making sure that the stuff that is included actually does either enhance it for and either entertainment purposes because the comment is snarky and hilarious or because it actually is someone very intelligent who brings a new perspective or asks a question that we hadn't thought of. Um, but again, that takes more moderation. And a lot of news organizations, you know, it's like what Tim said, reporters are really busy. We can encourage our reporters and columnists to moderate the comments on their own stories, but if it's something becomes viral and takes off, that's a full-time job. I mean, Amy knows that's a full-time job. So um, I think that we have to, we really have to, I don't know if we should really, I, I, I like this idea of maybe not allowing comments on every single story. Maybe we pick and choose the ones that really matter and not sort of just allow this, you know, a comment on absolutely everything. That was the one thing I hated when I worked at the Hartford Current was that comments were allowed on every single story. Every police brief, every, every little thing. And sometimes those comments were just, there was no reason to have a discussion about it. 
another comment. Edwin Furmage writes, what is free speech if not the free expression of things that some people find offensive? If it were all nice, we wouldn't need to talk about it being free. Who cares about regulating pablum? I hope the trib isn't losing its nerve. Again, we're not talking about changing the policy. We're just talking about it because it's a conversation piece that a lot of online publishers are dealing with. But uh, Tim, um, the Tribune losing its nerve even by discussing this? No. Uh, and, and really, I don't know uh, uh, where it's headed. I, uh, I, I think that uh, people want uh, a fun experience. I, th I think you're going to see a, a lot more. Um, I'll be curious to know with regard to whole the real names thing. We live in an age where uh, where data is everywhere, and everybody. I mean, the marketers know who you are. The NSA knows who you, knows who you are. You know, maybe maybe we're playing a game with these with these pseudonyms. Maybe it's just time for people to own up. Uh, I think that's a possibility. And again, yes, you would see fewer comments. Would you? Would they be better? Not all of them. Some of them are going to be bad. So. Um, I can't. I can't make any promises. I, I basically, I think that uh, uh, it continues to be uh, an important but uh, not fully understood area. We're going to have to leave it there, unfortunately. Thank you, thank you, everybody, for contributing to our conversation. Marie Shanahan, Tim Fitzpatrick, and Amy Lewis. Thank you all very much for your time today. Thank you. Thank you. And again, you can contribute to the comment boards as you wish at sltrib.com. I'm Jennifer Napier-Pierce. Thanks so much for tuning in to Trip Talk today. We'll see you next time.